fantasy genre is vast, complex, and has existed for time immemorial. It is a way to escape the drudgery of everyday life, but also a method humanity uses to examine itself in interesting, boundary-shattering ways. We are fascinated with the heights of glory we can rise to, with the depths of depravity in which we sometimes fall. Fantasy gives us an opportunity to reflect on these themes, and let's face it, it's also just plain old fun. Join us weekly on Fridays for the Fantasy in General podcast, where we discuss all things fantasy in general. Thank you so much, and enjoy the show. Welcome to our first episode of Fantasy in General. I'm one of your hosts, Kelsey Severson, and this is my co-host, Bobby Lane. We're just a couple of nerds that like to sit around and talk about fantasy, so we thought, why not make a podcast? In this first episode, we thought it would be fun to kick it off with 10 tough questions that encompass many different realms of fantasy. So some of these questions you may have pondered yourself, others maybe not. Bobby, did you want to get us started with the first question? Kelsey, I would love to get us started with the first question. And I think I've got one that is going to cause you to think a little bit. It is, who is the most evil character in Harry Potter, the series, besides the obvious, Lord Voldemort? Hmm. The most evil character, not Voldemort. Not Voldemort. I mean, I think it's, I mean, he's the Dark Lord, right? So I think it's pretty obvious he's the most evil. That's true. I think that I would have to say Professor Umbridge would be the most evil. Umbridge, really? Yeah. The lady who dresses in all pink and has a cat <laughs> Patronus. And cat paintings and teacups and such, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear your rationale for this. Well... Okay, so Umbridge comes in, and she's disguised as someone being on the good side, right? Okay. Okay. And she actually really thought of herself as being on the good side, too. But then she used her power that she was given, and she abused it. And she literally tortured children. Mm. Children. And she was overtly racist. Think about how she treated Ferenc, the centaur. And among other things, I mean... Would you call that racist or speciest? We're... Like, is hmm. a centaur a different species? Yeah, but we're just going to use the word racist, I think. Okay, copy that. <laughs> so, I guess the real question is, what is more evil or at least the more threatening evil? Like, an overt evil or a covert evil? Because Voldemort is overt you know he's bad. You know he's coming. You know that he's going to come in and just straight up kill you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you know, you're expecting that. But Umbridge comes in. You think she's good. She thinks she's good. So you're caught off guard when in reality, she's not. So at least Voldemort and his followers don't pretend to be on the same side and use power to get above people. And torture people, really. 
Okay. What say you? So let me ask you this. When you read Order of the Phoenix, because mm-hmm. this is what we're talking about with, yeah. with Dolores Umbridge, Harry Potter, and the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Was there ever a moment where you thought, man, this character is going to be good? No, because it's in Harry's point of view. And you meet Dolores when he's in the hearing for using magic against the Dementors. Right. So you automatically, from his point of view, I mean, Harry's very, I mean, he's a teenager, you know. He has an opinion, boom, that's the end. And that's what you get is Harry's opinion. But to all the other students and probably a lot of the teachers with Dolores coming in as a professor, would you think, oh, no, she's not a good person automatically? Okay. So I think it's pretty obvious that I'm probably going to disagree with you on this this question. Oh, no. So I know, right? It's tragic. But I, I think you make valid points. But I feel like, and I'm reading, I happen to be reading through the Harry Potter books now, actually. I'm in the is middle. That, I'm sorry, is that a humble brag or what is that? That's a me reviewing to make <laughs> me a better Harry Potter <laughs> oh, fan okay. statement. Okay. okay, fair. So I've, I've read the Harry Potter books before. I'm rereading them. Right now I'm in the middle of The Prisoner of Azkaban. So I haven't got there yet, but if I remember correctly, when Dolores Umbridge comes on board as the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher mm-hmm. at Hogwarts, you don't feel good about it. Do you ever? Because I think Hermione yeah. mentions—is it Hermione? I, I could be thinking about the movie, which is terrible to mix the movie and the books together because the books are so much better. But then Hermione says something about the Ministry of Magic meddling at Hogwarts. Yeah. So automatically there's kind of this foreboding type of thing with Dolores Umbridge coming on board. Very true. But I think that you also have to consider Hermione as Harry's friend. Correct. And Hermione's intelligence level is probably well above other people at that school. I mean, that's fair. So, I don't know. I think, man, she rubbed me more the wrong way than Voldemort ever did. Okay. At least Voldemort didn't even have the ability to love mm. or be good. That's interesting. Okay. All right. So can I? Okay. So should am we... I a Voldemort sympathizer? Ew. Oh, it kind of sounds like oh. it, but that's okay. Okay. Well, he's so, he's bad. So he is bad. Okay. So should I? Let me give you my okay. choice. Let's hear yours, and then we'll we'll move we'll go from there. So my choice, most evil character in Harry Potter other than Voldemort, is Bellatrix Lestrange. Obvious choice. Okay. Maybe, (laughs) but hear me out. Some people might pick Severus Snape. No. And I would really argue with them. If you pick Severus, I mean, anyway, tell us us about Bella. So, Bella, you guys on a nickname (laughs) basis? Yeah, yeah. So Bellatrix Lestrange. Okay. First of all, she's nuts. Fair. Like she's off her rocker crazy. Fair. Um, she is 100% devoted to Lord Voldemort. But I think it's even more dangerous than that. So for those familiar with the Batman universe, 
the Joker is this character, this villain that Batman has that just loves pure chaos, right? The Joker just wants to watch the world burn is what Michael Caine tells us in The Dark Knight. And it's pretty accurate when you see what the Joker does in the comic books and in the movies and stuff like that. He just likes to cause pure chaos. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's Bellatrix. Bellatrix just, she is so devoted to the cause of Voldemort that she's just ready to burn the whole thing down so that Voldemort can then build it back up, I suppose. I mean, she kills her own cousin. She ices her own cousin I mean, and then brags about it to Harry. Do you think that this is post Azkaban Bellatrix? I feel like, and I know we're not given a whole lot of information about it in the books or in the movies. I feel like Azkaban was just kind of like a vacation for Bellatrix. <laughs> That's what it feels Fair. like. I don't well, think if you consider what she did to Neville's parents after Voldemort right. fell. I guess, yeah. Right. Thank That's you for, for agreeing with me. Oh, dang it. No, but I, and here, okay, here's my other question, and then I guess we got to move on to the, the next one before we linger upon this one too long. But, so you talked about how Dolores Umbridge feels like She's on the side of good, right? And yeah. that's how she portrays herself. And I that's think that how... she actually thinks she's good. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you not think that Voldemort and Bellatrix and his followers also think they are good and doing what's right? Or do you think they feel that they're, they know they're evil and they just don't care? They just don't give a crap. The latter. Really? I think that they think they're right. Uh-huh. I don't think they think that they're good. So if you ask Voldemort, would you do you think he would consider himself a dark wizard? Oh yeah. I think that he would be very proud of that. Really? Yeah. You don't think he'd be like, I'm the true good guy here. Dumbledore no. is just naive. No. Because when you I mean Dumbledore says to Voldemort, to Tom Riddle. Mm-hmm. That he's forgetting about the power of love. And I think that to put that into play, that automatically takes out goodness. And I think that Tom knows that. When you remove love. Yeah. I mean, Voldemort did split his soul. Yeah, I think I think like murder, <laughs> like murder automatically, I think, is bad. I feel like even serial killers like Voldemort would agree on that. I'm not one, so I can't say for sure. Sure, for sure. I have read that there are serial killers that who acknowledge what they do is bad. They just can't help themselves. Yeah. And you would kind of lump Voldemort into that category. Yes. Uh, maybe Bellatrix too. Yeah. Sorry, so going back mm -hmm. to Bellatrix, I, I feel like we went off on a tangent there. Yeah, okay. So I feel like Bellatrix is more of a short-term danger and evil because because she is so unpredictable and willing to burn it down she becomes kind of predictable okay and umbridge is more of a long term because she is under the radar she's disguising like, herself she's like this lurking danger yeah that people don't really realize or understand yeah so which is worse really hmm it's a good question. I'm glad we asked it and talked about it. Hmm. 
I don't know if we've reached so a final decision. So I don't think decision. that we have reached a decision. I think that we have, I mean, I guess they're both women. So that's kind of a bummer. That is a little bit of a bummer. I mean, but well, okay. Fair. So here we go though. But the most <laughs> we've acknowledged at the beginning that the most evil character is Voldemort. Who is but male. I don't think it's his fault. You don't, whoa, we didn't prepare for this. You don't think it's Voldemort's fault that no, he's bad? No, he was conceived with a love potion. Okay. And because of that, yes. he cannot experience love. Really? Man. Is that anybody's fault? So you think that Voldemort is just a product of his, so he's like a serial killer. He's a product of his environment and he's not responsible for any of his own actions. Killing hundreds of people, maybe thousands. We don't know what he did fully no, prior I to think, Harry. I think that, okay, here's what it is. Okay. I think that he is responsible and it is his responsibility, but I think that. Hence what being responsible yeah, means. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think that we should pity him. I can see that, that he is in, in some ways a, a character to be pitied. And I think you see that at the end of the, at the end of the books, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't read all the Harry I mean, Potter books. If you haven't read the Harry Potter books, get on the train 20 years later. I mean, fair enough, but. The Hogwarts Express. Get on the Hogwarts Express. Himes, <laughs> yes. our producer in the background, speaking like she shouldn't. But um, <laughs> I think that he should be pitied. I do not think that somebody like Bellatrix or Umbridge should be pitied because they were given a chance. They made conscious choices. Mm-hmm. We might have to come back to that yeah. in a later episode about Voldemort a, and his responsibility for his actions. That's a 10 tougher questions episode. That I like it. I like the title of that. So we should probably <laughs> move on. Let us know what you think about that first question. Who is the most evil character in Harry Potter besides Voldemort? Maybe you guys have a different opinion than Umbridge or or Bellatrix, but we'd love to hear it if you do, or we'd also like to hear different arguments for either or. Mostly we'd like to hear why I'm right, but <laughs> oh, okay. moving well, on to question number two. And we'll, we'll let you know how to reach us at the end of this episode as well, because we definitely want to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. I, yeah, like Bobby said, I think that we spent more time than anticipated on that question. <laughs> so let's move on to question two. Uh, do you want to read it, Bobby? Sure. Uh, Kelsey, do you think that if Sam had been the ring bearer, like originally, like he was the one that the ring came to, Gandalf gave it to him, or, you know, however it came to him, and Frodo was the assist. So Frodo's backing him up like Sam backs him up in the story. They would have made it all the way to Mordor like they did with Frodo in the lead and Sam as a sidekick. What do you think? I want to start by saying that Sam is the hero of the story. He's my fave. Okay. Okay. And I want to put that foundation down there before I say what I'm about to say. Okay. 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 I don't think that they would make it. Sam couldn't resist, huh? Is that what no, you think? No, that's not it. Okay, so here's my here's my logic, and it's going to take a little while, so follow along, okay? 
So hobbits were chosen because of their pure hearts and their ability to carry the ring without experiencing its effects because they were so pure, right? Right, at least long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we see the ring start to affect Frodo psychologically and physically toward the end, not not with his need for power, but just in other ways. Um, although, yeah. So Sam also was pure of heart, like Frodo. But I feel like Sam was a lot more naive than Frodo was. And I think that's due to Frodo um, being raised for the most part by Bilbo and hearing about Bilbo's adventures and the evils that are out there in Middle-earth of what Bilbo experienced. So I feel like Frodo had the upper hand in knowing a little bit about the goings-on outside of the Shire and other evils. And so I think that that helped him bear the weight of the ring because he wasn't naive to that and he somehow had a little bit of preparation so I feel like Sam would have succumbed to the weight of the ring. Interesting. So so your theory is that Sam almost, if I'm hearing this correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Sam was almost too innocent. Yes. And too pure. Yes. That Frodo, not Frodo wasn't necessarily corrupt, but he was no. more worldly, I guess. He yeah. had more knowledge of what was going on. Yeah. I think I can get on board with this. I mean... Oh, you sound like you disagree. No, I think I agree with you that they wouldn't have made it. I happen to be... Okay, Sam is your hero, Sam's and he's the fave. hero of the story. Do not disagree with me on that. Okay, I love Sam. I love me some Samwise Gamgee. There's a butt coming. No, there's no butt. Oh. I love him. Okay. I love Samwise Gamgee. Okay. However, I'm going to use a however instead of a butt. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm going to take tomato. advantage of the English language here. And say, however, um, I am also a big fan of Frodo, whereas a lot of people aren't. A lot of people criticize Frodo, say he's weak, and I'm thinking, is that many... a movieism? What do you mean? Which part? Well, I feel like that, but I feel like that more so because of how the movie portrayed Frodo. They draw, yeah, they make Elijah Wood in some ways very whiny. And dramatic where I guess Frodo is not as such for most of the books. Yeah. Um, and in the books, Frodo, Frodo in the books is the, about the same age as Bilbo. When he goes on his adventure in the mm -hmm. hobby, he's about 50 years old. Like the movies, you look at Frodo and you think, man, that dude's like what? 19, 20. Like yeah. he's pretty young looking. Yeah. How old is Sam? Is he the same as Frodo? Sam's pretty close to Frodo's age. I believe Himes. Fact checker Himes. You get on that? We'll get back to you guys in a second. But so I, I, I like Frodo a lot because I think Frodo, Frodo bears an immense burden. Mm -hmm. Immense. Like he's carrying pure, unadulterated evil. So from what I understand, Haim, Sam is 35. 39. Oh, 39. So he's like 11 so he's years younger, younger than Frodo. He's younger. Because Frodo's like 50. Correct me if I'm 51. wrong, Himes. 51. 51. You've looked this up already? You already know or you just know? I'm just an expert. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. 51. <laughs> Whatever. You're welcome. You're welcome. I was close. 50. It's pretty darn, pretty darn close. That's so. like saying you're 40, though. Oh. This oh. is okay. 
<laughs> so let's shots get back, fired. Let's get back to Frodo. Low blow. Shots fired. Um, here we go. So let's get back to Frodo. So Frodo bears a tremendous burden that he never expected to carry, but he does. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. True. And he bears this burden. And thankfully for him, Sam does go along with him. And Sam is great at the moral support. So, but I agree with you. I think that Sam probably would have, I feel like Sam would have succumbed to the power of the ring much earlier than Frodo because he wouldn't have been fully prepared because I think Frodo was not only prepared by Bilbo, but I think he was also prepared by Gandalf Yeah, for, for the task at hand. And I feel like, do, do you feel like there's a sense in the story that Frodo is destined to be the ring bearer? So maybe that gives him some extra strength and resilience. Yeah, I think so. I agree with maybe that. not magical necessarily, but like it's just whatever. I mean, Bilbo pieced out. He was like, "I want nothing to do with this anymore." Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give it to my nephew. <laughs> so rude. He is a little jacked up. <laughs> I'm gonna go chill in Rivendell. For it's the rest true. Of my life. But at the time, he's had the ring for what sixty years. Yeah, that's true. He's probably a little bit but more. But he started to succumb to the power aspect of it. That's what I'm saying. Like, Do you think that Sam, when you say Sam would succumb to it, do you, do you say as far as the power, like the want for power? Or kind of like how Frodo was portrayed, how it made him weak and mm -hmm. weak-minded? I think I think we, and, and we're kind of going to. I like, know, we're taking way too long. These are going way too I know. Deep. We're kind of going to address this a little later, but I feel like the ring, as it gets closer to its master, right? They're advancing to Mordor. Mm -hmm. The ring's influence gets stronger. Okay. Because it's getting home. It's getting closer to its master, right? It's getting yeah. closer to the source of its power. Yeah. It's where it wants to go. Exactly. So it's kind of a catch-22 because they've got to take it there to destroy it, but at the same time, they're taking it closer to its sphere of power, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense yeah. at all. Yeah. And I feel like the closer they would have gone to Mordor, the more Sam would have been overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Whereas Frodo was, I guess, mentally and maybe even spiritually prepared for it. Yeah. Beforehand. Well, and he chose it. He did choose to be a ring bearer. That's true. So there's that. And then Sam chose to go with him. Sam was like, listen, I'll follow you. <laughs> but keep that crap but away from me. keep that around your neck. <laughs> All right. All right so let's kinda, go. Yeah. yeah. So we both agree on that, at least. Number I think two. so. I think so. Okay, number three. We're going to a dis different galaxy, okay? Okay. How far away is this galaxy? Far, far away. Far, far away. Okay. Far, far away. Copy that. Yep. Han Solo versus Malcolm Reynolds. Who would win? Like in a fight. In a fight. One-on-one? Like one. -on -one? one oh. Yeah, we're going to say one-on-one. One-on-one, no crew, no ships. Just, just mono e mono, and they know it's coming. Okay, fine. No ships. I was preparing for ships, but no ships. That's fine. Well, what I mean, okay. 
what we can do both, whatever. doesn't matter. But like, okay. So I just want to set this. Okay. Cause here's the thing. I love, these are two of my favorite characters in sci-fi. We're saying Han Solo, Star Wars, Malcolm Reynolds, Firefly. Firefly. Just to clarify for everybody. Correct. If you haven't watched Firefly. If you haven't watched Firefly, I highly recommend it. I believe it is available on, gosh, I don't even know what streaming platform it's on. Know. Buy it. I have it on DVD. Buy it because yeah. it's worth it. DVD? Gosh. Yeah, I bought it at Walmart on uh, Black you are, Friday. You are dating yourself. Who owns DVDs anymore? Oh, okay. Shots, <laughs> shots fired back. <laughs> it's okay. I'm older than you, so it's all right. But... Anyways, I still have some DVDs and Blu-rays. But Firefly, Malcolm Reynolds, he's the captain of Serenity. It's a phenomenal show. Highly recommend you watch it. These are two of my favorite characters. I, Han Solo is my favorite Star Wars character. Well, you they're know. very similar. Okay. Sorry. Okay. No, continue. Go ahead. They Go ahead. are and they aren't. Okay. Okay. Fair. So Han Solo, favorite Star Wars character. Basically, you're saying that I have a type, I guess. Yeah. I think so. He's my favorite Star Wars character. A space pirate. He is a space... Okay. They are both smugglers. <laughs> I will give you that. They are both smugglers. They both crack wise, right? They're both wise cracking sort of comic relief. Mm -hmm. Han in the Star Wars universe and, and, and Mal in Firefly and its movie Serenity. But they do have some differences. Okay, I would say, man, this is hard. So, this is sorry. I'm gonna I'm I, I'm gonna try to keep this short. So Han is he's a smuggler. He's also clearly kind of man. What is the word I'm looking for? I think he's inherently Attractive. more. Well, Harrison Ford is gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to admit that. Um, man. Anyways, we'll move on. Um, so Han Solo is definitely, I think, inherently more selfish than Mal. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Mal, yeah. Mal definitely operates outside the law like Han does, but Mal is very concerned about the well-being of his crew. Mm-hmm. He will do anything he can to protect his crew. Han, I think, will do a lot to protect Chewie. Chewie. <laughs> and eventually Leia. But after that... I don't even know about Luke. I don't even know about Luke either. Luke because Leia wants him to. Uh, I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I think he... Because he's like, oh, dude, Luke's is... I think at one point when he thinks Luke is after Leia, like he kind of secretly hopes Luke him. dies. Yeah. yeah. But um, when he figures out that Luke is, his, is Leia's brother, then he's cool and he's like, whatever, I don't even care about him anymore. So one-on-one, -on -one, this is where I'm, this is where I... This is not hand-to-hand. -hand. This is not like slaps only on uh, 007. Wow. 90, okay. 90s video game reference. I like <laughs> it. Not 007 Goldeneye. They can use weapons. With Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> not fantasy, but good video game. Um, man, my... Yeah, anyways. I used to him. lose all the time on that game in the stupid slap contest. <laughs> but the... I think that if they're one-on-one -on -one with their weapons available to them... Is it face-to-face -face quick draw? 
Because if it's face-to-face quick draw, I think Mal wins. Because Mal is a... Han shot first. Han shot first against Greedo, but Han did it deceptively. Does Mal know this is... We're not saying that this is an honest fight. So are they sitting at a bar table? And Han, and they're talking peacefully about an exchange and Han like takes his blaster out and jacks Mal over? Or are we saying, hey, we know we're in a fight. We're standing face to face. Han. Well, let's get back to Goldeneye. They're dropped in separate rooms. They're dropped in separate rooms and they have to find each other and kill each other. I think Mal wins. Mal is a soldier, like straight up. Um, I'm a soldier. I was in a war. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna defend my people. I'm gonna kill the alliance. And Han, when he was in the military, was part of the Empire. So he's the alliance as far as Mao's concerned. I'm gonna ice me a stormtrooper. Yeah. I'm gonna find that dude and I'm gonna kill him. But Han is sneaky. I'll grant you. Han is sneaky. Well, that was my point. I was gonna. He's a scrappy fella. Go ahead. Okay, I've I've spent a long time talking. You make your yeah, point. Yeah, like please let me have a chance. I'll shut up. Uh, to be very honest with you, I disagreed with you, but now I'm being swayed. I was gonna say. Oh snap! That Han is scrappy. Mm-hmm. He surely is. And that he, his gun is better. I think. I think his blaster. So a blaster as opposed to like a traditional firearm is superior. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say a ship is better. Let's take the ship out of it. That's fine. Both the both of their ships kind of suck. If they were going ship to ship, I agree. Han wins because I don't even think. In fact, I know Mal doesn't even have any any blasters or firearms on Serenity. Yeah, he's really just trying to outrun. He's just gonna have to outrun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Han can actually shoot. But anyways, go ahead. But I I mean, I I can't argue with the fact that Mal was a soldier and probably has that experience. Yeah. I mean, Han was a soldier too. Yeah, but like you said, he's more self... I don't think that he thinks the same way in that same, not robotic way, but soldier-like way, you know? Mm -hmm. Like... Like tactically, these are are the 10 steps ahead that I need to be in order to defeat him. I think that Han is, does not operate that way. I agree that Han probably doesn't think militarily. Yeah. But I will grant you that Han, I mean, Han's smart. He's a survivor. But if you give me that scenario, like you did, where it's like that 007 GoldenEye, where you start in separate rooms and you got to work your way towards one another to take each other out. You know, Han probably does a little bit better than what I'm thinking, where it's a duel, you know, they're facing each other, mono a mono, Han versus Mal. I think Mal's probably a little faster and can take him out, but I think it evens it out a little bit more if they come from, you know, that type of scenario. You know what I mean? That's true. I understand what you mean. I wanted Han to win because he's hot. I mean, Harrison Ford is a good-looking man. I will grant you that. But I guess I see your point. I can't be swayed by the good looks all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's acceptable. <laughs> all right. Question number four. So we, kind of, we, we agree on that one. Number three. Did we agree? What was yeah, it? Did we, we agree, agree that Mal, Mal would win? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's I fine. love me some Malcolm Reynolds. I know it's good. I need to rewatch it. My yeah, I, I have a Malcolm. I have a Firefly cookbook. Well, let's eat. Okay, down. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the next question. Then. All right, number four. I'll read it. Would you want to travel to Narnia? Would you want yes. to step through the? <laughs> would you want to step through the wardrobe? Or go through the painting on the wall to get there. So the painting of the ship in the ocean, Voyage of the Dawn Treader business, or the world wardrobe, winter, right? Walk, walk, walk. Little <laughs> little fawn there, you know. So okay, first of all, that little fawn has a name, and his name is Mister Tumnus. Mister Tumnus. And I like him. I know he is a traitor. He is, but I like him. Um, so anyways, yes, absolutely. I'd want to go to Narnia. My first, and we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about this in a future episode, but my first introduction really to fantasy was in third grade when I read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh. I loved, I was so, I loved it. Okay. I don't know what else to say, but the, other than I loved it. And so the idea of going to Narnia through that wardrobe Dream scenario. Okay. What about you? That's a hard pass. You wouldn't want to go through the wardrobe? I wouldn't want to go through either. You don't want to go to Narnia? I was born here. In boring earth. Okay. So I have no business being anywhere else. What? The Pevensies became like the kings and queens of Narnia. What if you be did that? I'm making a podcast what and I am very happy. Yeah, you're very upset right now. I I know. It's the same I can't reason I don't swim in the ocean. There's I have no business. You don't swim in the ocean. I do not. I have no. It's business in this being, earth. But I have no business confirmed. confirmed. I have no business being in that environment. Himes is fact checked, and Kelsey does not swim in the ocean, which is. I think that ever. Okay, here's the thing. You go I, in lakes. I. If I can see my feet, I will go in. <laughs> I've been in the ocean in Hawaii. Let's put it that way. That's the ocean. And I can see what's below me, which is a really cool thing. The ocean. It's not like here in California where you can't even see your feet. You so can. you have no idea what's below you. That's a fair point. But we're not talking about. I'm not a strong swimmer either. Really? No. You're but, fairly athletic, but you can't swimming. swim. Okay. I can swim if my life depended on it, but <laughs> I would give up very easily in the open ocean. Okay, let's go back. Hold on. Let's go back to Narnia. Okay, we're we're in Narnia. I, I imagine the beaches in Narnia it being just, more pristine than the beaches of Hawaii. It would just take a lot of convincing to for me to go somewhere that I didn't know, I didn't have any expectations. If I come to you and I say, Kelsey, you observe this piece of 1940s furniture called a wardrobe. Yes. And I say, if you and I put on a fur coat, which is also a piece of 1940s garb, and walk through said wardrobe, we will be in a fantasy land full of fawns, dwarves, elves, Lions that talk, you say no. I would say, what 
is wrong with you, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> but that's also why I I enjoy uh, the professor. Um. Because when Susan and Peter came to him and said, this is what Lucy is saying, he said, look at the facts. <laughs> and so you you think to yourself, wait, is Narnia factual? But he says, no. Is Lucy a liar? The fact is, no, she's not. Heck no, she's not. So, I mean, I guess I would have to, like, you're not a liar. I don't know. I mean, when you when you find a wardrobe, let me know and we'll get there. Okay, we'll figure it out at that point. Okay, wow. So, okay, so. I do not want a lion speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> End of this question, I think, because we need to move on to others, is Bobby wants to go through a wardrobe. Kelsey does not. Kelsey does not. Copy that. Okay, so. I like my house. There's some clear distinction there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, go ahead and uh, read number five. Okay, number five. So switching gears again, we've yep. gone from yeah, different. Yeah, we've gone all over the place. Yeah, we, we have gone all over the place. We've mm -hmm. gone from fantasy. We've gone from wizards to science fiction to wardrobes, back to wizards, okay? So this is a question that I think a fair number of people probably ask themselves as they, Maybe more so, I think, as they read the books as opposed yeah. to the movies. The movies don't portray this as much. I think you're probably right. The, the movie, the books, excuse me, the books give more detail. Number Question number five, Kelsey, is... Yes. Do you think that Dumbledore, Albus Dumbledore from the Harry yeah, Potter what, series... Were you going to try to remember his middle names? I was going to try. <laughs> I was thinking of Wolfric and Brian. I'll get there. Oh, yeah. Percival's in there somewhere, too. Yeah. Do you think that Dumbledore is good, inherently a good character? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes. Uh -huh. And I know a lot of people do not like Dumbledore because he's a means-to-an-end type of guy. He... This is other people's argument, okay? He uses Harry. He uses people, even if they have to die, for the greater good, okay? Right. Case in point, Ariana. Okay, His so she, sister. yeah, so she, he sacrificed her, not on purpose, but he did for in his quest for power when he was younger, okay? It's true. So really. I would agree. People argue that he is still doing that, not for power, but for the greater good, okay, through mm -hmm. the course of the Harry Potter series. Right. I, I mean, I think that you can do both. I think that his quest, his mission is for the greater good, but he also cares deeply about people and he doesn't want people to die or to be hurt in the process. And I think that earlier on in the series, he didn't know that Harry had to die. Spoiler alert. You don't think so? I no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think that he knew that Harry had to die. Okay. I think that he knew that one of them did. You know, neither can live while the other survives. Either Harry or Voldemort. Yeah, but I, but on it, like either way, Harry had to die. Period. 
in the end, I think yeah, that's period. true. Yeah. And I don't think that he knew that to begin with. I don't think that he raised up Harry with that in mind. I think, I mean, this will be a deeper dive probably on another episode, but where he actually figured that out, I don't know. But I think that there is a line in the Goblet of Fire that turns this around. And that's that when um, Barty Crouch Jr. says that Lord Voldemort used Harry's blood to bring him back, there was a glimmer. What, what is it? What's the line? The, the glimmer of hope or glimmer of um, triumph. That's what it says. There was a fleeting glimmer of triumph in Dumbledore's eyes because he knew at that point that Harry wouldn't have to really die. Oh, and Barty pretending to be Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. Reveals that little bit of information to yes. Dumbledore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so in that moment, I mean, I don't think that there would be triumph in his eyes if he, if he didn't care if Harry died. I think that he knew there was an out to that and that gave him peace and that gave him hope because he is inherently good. Okay. But I think that you can be both. I think that you can be a jerk and good, not a jerk, <laughs> but you can be on a mission for the greater good for everyone and still care about people. Okay. I, Okay, so I definitely agree with you that Dumbledore is a greater good type of guy, right? He is, if it's the individual versus the masses, Dumbledore is going to pick the masses. And I think there's, I think that there is a very good argument to be made there. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I guess cutting to the, cutting to the quick here, I agree with you that I think Dumbledore is for the most part, a good character. I think he does what he thinks is best for the most people, the greater good type of thing. That's interesting about the Goblet of Fire. I was going to say that I think Dumbledore first suspected that Harry might have to die after, and this is because I just read this book. Like I mentioned oh, earlier, okay. I was in the middle of Prince of Azkaban. I just recently finished the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. In the Chamber of Secrets, Dumbledore is made aware of Tom Riddle's diary. And Harry tells... That's when he first figures out. Maybe. or may, Okay, so Harry tells Dumbledore and McGonagall and Snape, I think. Maybe it's just Dumbledore and McGonagall. I can't remember. Gosh, I just read it. That's terrible. But at least Dumbledore and McGonagall, the whole sequence of events that happens in the Chamber of Secrets, what happens with the Tom Riddle's diary, and then mm -hmm. Harry, like, you know, Lucius Malfoy eventually shows up, that jerk. Um, he's not the most evil character in Harry he's Potter because he's kind so... of a weenie. That's true. <laughs> I think Fair. he's kind of a wuss. Fair. But he's a jerk. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. He's a jerk. I feel like, okay, if we were talking about feeling sorry for Voldemort earlier, I feel sorry for Draco. Oh, yeah. I feel really sorry for Draco. That's a nature versus nurture argument. Oh, absolutely. To the core. Absolutely. Lucius is a <gasps> jerk. What about Fenrir Greyback? Oh, that guy is. The werewolf? Yeah. What about him? He's super evil. Okay. Okay, sorry. Another episode. Yep, another no, question. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Here we okay. go. So... Anyhow, Harry lets them know about what happened. 
And I think that's when Dumbledore first suspects, whoa, Voldemort's up to something. There's mm-hmm. something that Tom Riddle did that is beyond anything that I previously conceived. Because I think he knew that Voldemort wasn't over. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But he didn't know how until then. Well, agree. I mean, he knew something he, was up after. It wasn't confirmed for him. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. He knew something was up after Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Right. Because Voldemort's there with the yeah, weird I mean, like, in the back <laughs> of the head of Quirrell thing. But. It's like, who would want. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Quirrell. Can we admit Quirrell's one of the grossest characters in Harry yeah. Potter? Um, and so I, I think that Dumbledore thinks something's really up after Chamber of Secrets and he's trying to figure it out. But you bring up a really good point in Goblet of Fire. That maybe he didn't fully comprehend what that could be until Barty Crouch let it slip mm-hmm. about Harry's blood. Mm-hmm. And then that also tipped him off that, that in turn, like what Voldemort did that he Voldemort thought would protect himself actually backfired. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Which Dumbledore. is like story of Voldemort's life, honestly. Uh, honestly, you're, so. you're right. I mean, the whole I Harry mean, Potter this guy, thing. Yeah. He basically created Harry Potter. Yeah. Because average. Okay. Another question for another time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that at a different, in another episode about Harry being average. But I think we both agree. I think. Yeah. That Dumbledore is a generally good character. Yeah. Does he do things in his life that is selfish? Sure. Yeah. I think we all do. Mostly when he was younger, though, I think. He was young and and ambitious. And he works hard to push back against that as he gets older. I think you're right. I think he feels bad Mm -hmm. about what he did as a younger wizard. Yeah. And he's ambitious, right? Mm -hmm. Voldemort knows he's, he's special. He knows he's skilled. And so he really tries to push when he's a younger wizard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This for sure is a question that we want to hear from you guys on too. Oh, absolutely. We want to hear from all you guys about all the questions that we've talked about. If you disagree, please let us know. We love disagreement and debate. Yes. We absolutely do. I will fight you all day. Just I will, kidding. But well, she will. Yeah. She's not kidding. <laughs> but I will debate and argue with you too. But we really want to hear what you guys think. Uh, these are very interesting questions. So we wanted to get through 10. We got through five. Yeah, we got through five. So I think we're going to save. This is going to be a part two. Yeah, we're going to do a part two episode on this. This, I mean, we had a lot more discussion than we anticipated on these five questions. So we're going to do the next five next week. Which, let's be honest, that happens like... That's the reason this podcast exists. This is what happens. Exactly. You get talking about this stuff and people that you're hanging out watching these movies with tell you to just shut up because they're tired of hearing you talk. And you're like, but I want to talk more. And about I say, it. let's pause the movie and talk. Exactly. So this is what this is. This is an elongated pause of a movie slash book reading. Yeah. So continue the journey on social media by following us on Twitter and Instagram at the fig pod. That's fig F I G for fantasy in general. 
email us at thefigpod at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show and would like to see and hear additional content, please consider becoming a patron of ours on Patreon. So just head over to patreon.com and search for the Fig Podcast. All right, guys. Well, we would love to hear from you and we look forward to it and we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Thank you.